Well, I'm good with this. Whenever, uh, whenever you guys are ready to jump in. All right, who's bringing us in? Nice. Oh, I'll bring us. I was getting, I was getting to the book. I thought maybe you were making espresso. <laughs> Not all the time. Well. Oh, I thought Scott was going to do That's it. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Go ahead, was, Bill. If you want to do it, go what ahead. The, well, now I'm not. What's my motivation? I'll do the next one. <laughs> what's your motivation? Do it or I'll kick you in the ass. That's your motivation. Anything. So you do still it. want me to do it? Or Are you doing it? it? I thought you were going to do it. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? I'm going to mute. I'm going to drink some soda. Everybody's doing <laughs> it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Pick your nose and chew it. Chew it. Come on. I'm drinking my soda. I told you I was going to drink my mute and drink my soda. I crumpled up my little bottle. You got a burp? I just did that while <laughs> I was. Jen's got to pick him up and pat him on the back. <laughs> She's not even here. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello and welcome to the huh? show. <laughs> uh, oh, this name doesn't. Does this show have a name? Can you hear me, Clem Fandango? <laughs> its name is yeah. Fred. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. No, is this a no? This isn't Spotlight. No, this is a uh, what is it's this? It's called Back to the Bins. Yeah, I know that, but what's the sub the subtitle? <sighs> what's the sub? Uh... Again, you're asking your motivation. <laughs> <laughs> I got something in my nose. It's called Bugging. a nostril. <sighs> Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. Tonight we're continuing our coverage of JSA Strange Adventures. We will be covering issue number three. Chugging along. Some things are going to happen. Some things are not going to happen. We <laughs> so mysterious. We have to see. Some things are going to be explained and that still don't make sense, which I guess we'll get to that when we go through the book page <laughs> by page. I, I'm not going to give any, you know, I don't want to give away early on, but I could tell you for what it's worth, uh, if you'll recall at the end of the last issue, I was a little on the fence. I wasn't sure how much am I enjoying this? Where are they going? Are they handling it right? Uh, this issue has me more confident that they're going to bring me someplace that I'm going to enjoy. I'll, that, I'll agree with that. If that, uh, I'll agree with that, but there's still some internal logic that doesn't quite make sense for me. All right, well, you could point that out as right. we get to okay. it. Yeah, point that out. Yeah, point that out as we get to it. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I definitely am more enthusiastic at this moment than I was at the conclusion of reading issue two. Mm-hmm. The issue I think went some places that I thought it was going to go. But it also went some places that I didn't expect. Well, I have to do a quick skim through because uh, peek behind the curtain. We did read issue three and four back to back. So, but we're only concentrating on three tonight. So I have to look where it ended. Uh, okay, <laughs> now I see. And I guess it's up to me to it give ended, the. It ended on the last page. Hey. I guess it's up to me to give the quick 
brief synopsis? It is up to you. Oh, boy. Okay, the JSA meet to decide whether or not they're going to give over uh, Green Lantern's ring and Starman's gravity rod and some some fat cat mucky mucks are listening to the dulcet sounds of Lord Dynamo's concerto and uh yep yep we need to we need to throw these guys chuck these guys in the weeds we need all this good stuff that this guy's gonna bring us johnny thunder is have you ever uh, seen have you ever seen the movie jamin forever yeah but it's been a long time i was i was imagining as in this scene where the guys are listening to that record that it's, it's like jamin forever where it's this is the lightning bug baby <laughs> he's, he's making all the corny jokes and everything anyway so we continue on with uh, Johnny Thunder talking with uh, Mr. Williamson about his, you know, how to channel his uh, his anger at what's going on about uh, how the people are treating the JSA and how he should channel that into his writing. Uh, we cut back to the JSA and they're deciding, uh, oh, oh, what was us? We can't. Oh, you know, we've tracked down some stuff. It looks like this comes from someplace in Europe. Oh, if only. But we can't go to Europe because Hitler will take us over with Spear of Destiny. Oh, but we don't have any powers. So we can go, that being the Adam and Wildcat, and I believe the Sandman. Uh, then we cut back to um, uh, people in the city. You know, we should get all the stuff from Lord Dynamo. We can cure all these diseases, defeat Hitler, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And um, Starman and Green Lantern are like, hey, maybe we should give up our stuff. Uh, Mr. Williamson is finishing up his book to deliver to his author, uh, to the magazine. Uh, Wildcat and, and the Atom parachute into Eastern Europe and find a destroyed castle with uh, some robots left, you know, robots not so much in disguise, but just laying around. And then a bunch of gruesome ex- experiments laying about, heads and globes and such, and a vat of eyeballs. And uh, saying, oh, wait till we tell them about this. This will really, you know, put Lord Dynamo's electron underwear in a bunch and then uh, Sandman's driving around with a uh, a one of Dynamo's henchmen falls from the sky and lands on his car. And he figures out this guy was with the British Army. And he tells him that Lord Dynamo's not what, what he seems. Uh, he pulled me off the battlefield, made me into one of his slaves to serve him forever. I questioned too much. They chucked me out of the plane. Cut back to Williamson, <laughs> seeing where his story that he wrote had, now has a byline by Johnny Thunder. And he, Thunder and he's like, what the? And he basically says, I'm out. Slam. Uh, then we cut back to the city. Johnny Thunder, before the uh, mucky muck of uh, the city can lay down and say, yeah, we need to give the, this guy stuff up to get all the goodies. He jumps up, makes an empowered speech that basically backfires and pisses off Lord Dynamo. And he starts to zap the Jesus out of the city. The- and uh, and Mr. Williamson writes uh, Johnny a, a wonderful letter about how great he can be. You can be great again, Johnny. And uh, that's that's the end. But that was pretty concise, right? That yeah, was, was pretty good. Better than I usually do. Frankly, and it's nothing to do with your synopsis. The story jumps is around more understandable when you take it through slowly because it jumps around so much that I think literally to synopsize page to page. it. Yeah, to synopsize it, you're almost not you are, but the story almost creates some confusion that doesn't really exist when you go through it page by page slowly. Mm-hmm. But right. trying to give it in, in a brief, you know, less than five minute bite, I think it, it becomes confusing. I mean, another way would to just be sum up each individual storyline instead of jumping from one to one. 
Well, we'll do we'll do the, oh, the jumping we around well, now. Well, no, I'm saying you know, like like that would have been another way to do it, but I I didn't have that amount of time, which we're all grateful for. <laughs> so uh, our cover cover we've got Wildcat um, beating up robots and mannequins, maybe him and the Atom looking like he's beating up Frankenstein rejects. The the Atom is almost hidden on the cover. That's probably the biggest yeah. weakness of it. You don't it. It's so focused on Wildcat, who's front and center, and then Adam is kind of behind him throwing a punch, but you only see uh, – his his torso is totally blocked. So you see his head, his arm, and the back end of his cape, and that's it. And, well, and technically, his arm blends in with the guy he's punching. Yeah, it's the same color yeah. scheme. Yeah. So he that's that's probably the biggest weakness of the cover is that you, know, you, you have to look closely to even realize he's there. Right. And look, look. Look! Look behind his cape. Is that Jonah Hex uh, getting ready to attack? <laughs> <laughs> He's got the one squinky eye. Yeah, who got a squinky eye? Yeah, these monsters definitely look different than than what's depicted in the issue too. I mean, that's kind of a minor quibble, but but it really definitely does, in my opinion, create that pulp novel oh, yeah. feel that they're trying to go for with these covers. Well, we also have that 40s, 50s, uh, like, representation of a mad scientist lair with the big giant tubes in the machines and, yeah, and yeah, cinder block it, walls. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I, I think the cover's pretty good. Oh, and I again, think it's very good, actually. And our, uh, our internal stuff, uh, writer is Kevin J. Anderson, uh, breakdowns Barry Kitson, finishes Gary Erksine. Uh, Rob Lay. Oh, it gets so small I can't read it. I need to zoom in. Rob Lay. Ah, there we go. Uh, Hi Fi did color and separations. Isn't that Fred Flintstone? (laughs) Wasn't he Hi Fi? I thought he was, uh, he played for the other guy that ate the pickled dodo eggs. That's rock roll. Oh. Down Uh, in bedrock. Twitch, twitch. No, Hi Fi was when he sang Listen to the Mockingbird. And then, uh, Elvis's manager, the colonel, came and uh, represented him. <laughs> Says that other guy, that Georgia boy. <laughs> what they had Georgia in bedrock? Oh, that's what the guy keeps talking about, the Georgia boy. I see. Anyway, I just it's a it, hi-fi is a square. That's all I'm going to say. He's a cube. Because that's that's how Wilma <laughs> and Betty get them cube. off, get him off of the uh, the Tories on by spreading word that he's a square to the young audience who who then will. And don't they do the little the, the little dotted lines in the air? Yeah, they make a square with their fingers and with their fingertips, and and as they do it, you, you know the it lines form the, in the yeah. air. Yeah, don't they dress up in like outfits to look like te- teenagers? Yes. Wow, why it's why do I remember so much of this? I used to love the Flintstones because I'm, so. because I'm usually you know it's 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 on locally at like six thirty and like seven thirty here on like uh, one of the one of the off station stations. You know what I mean? To like the point. Two, three, mm-hmm. four stations. Yep. Yep. I I occasionally watch it where Fred was going to be Hercules in the one I saw the other night. Hercule Rock. Rock. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a Flintstones podcast, but maybe uh, sometime we maybe will we'll do, do a it. top five Flintstones episode <laughs> at some point. <laughs> oh God. Yes, yes, yes. No, it's no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> so JSA. J- oh JSA. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen Wacker is the associate editor, and Peter J. Tomasi is the editor. And we've got a nice opening on the uh, the Opal City Observatory of Ted Knight. 
better known as Starman. Oh, wait, that's not sorry. Meanwhile, at the Opal Observatory, I salute to, to Ted Knight. So is this city supposed to be Opal City through throughout the story? Because I thought they were in New York City. Uh, yeah, or, or but Gotham City is no, this. I but is it, it supposed to be Opal through the entire story? I think they've been jumping around a little bit. I don't think it's I, always been I the same so too. And I think you know maybe if there's a, one of the weaknesses of the story is that they haven't made that clear. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Now you know, first you know, I, I want to be clear. I'm enjoying this story. I really am, and especially this issue. It, it started to kind of solidify a little bit. So I'm not knocking the story. I do enjoy it. But one thing that that's definitely bothering me about it is that they're not making there, there's not enough captions to tell you you know setting um, location. I, I would like to know what the hell year is this supposed to be because it really took until this issue to know exactly when this is. Now I mean we don't know the year, but we we at least now have the the era nailed down a little bit more. We know that this is definitely wartime because they directly reference the Spear of Destiny and the fact that they can't just invade the access countries because of the power and all that. So it, it's it's narrowed it down a bit more to you know it's definitely the World War Two years. Um, but I, I'd like it narrowed down a bit more. I'd like some more captions in here because, as you say, I mean, almost every single page of the book, we're changing settings, yet very seldom are they giving you captions to let you know exactly where it is you're supposed to be, uh, you know, what the setting is. So, yeah, that that bugs me a bit. I mean, I don't want it to be super wordy, but they, they could have used a little bit more caption-wise. And once I realized when this is supposed to be taking place, I really had to kind of turn my, my continuity brain off because otherwise this story would probably drive me really crazy <laughs> because by this point there really wasn't a justice society because the justice society got disbanded by FDR. Now, of course, this is post-crisis continuity, so maybe things are a little bit different, but before the crisis, FDR um, asked the mystery men to come together to form... Uh, special battalion and they be, yeah they became the all-star squadron during the course of the war so the jsa didn't really exist during this time um and it makes me wonder why are they meeting you know in all these other places like you know opal city and and whatever why are they not meeting like at the at the perisphere and none of that's ever referenced we don't you know and if they were going to throw in all, all these other characters that i still struggle to to place them continuity wise like star spangled kid like was he really with i I don't think he was really with them i could be wrong about that but anyway if they were going to place characters in there to kind of fill out the roster even more which i question do you really need to throw more characters into the jsa there's a lot of characters to begin with but if they were going to do that where's the all-stars where's like robot man and liberty bell and johnny quick and those guys I'd, i'd almost rather see them thrown into this mix than characters that just don't really seem to belong like dr fate or excuse me not dr uh, dr occult rather who was absent from this particular issue um star spangled kid much as i love the guy um I, I just i don't think he quite fits this timeline if i'm remembering you know the sequence of events properly but again this is all post-crisis continuity so maybe things have changed up a bit i'm not i'm not positive on that but all that said um, I mean, I, I did dig the issues, so anyway, didn't mean to sidetrack us, but just wanted to mention that. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying there, and you're saying it better than I could, so 
not a sidetrack <laughs> at all. He's smart. I like so the splash page. I do really like the way Hawkman is depicted. Uh, yeah. In the uh, in the moon. In the moon, yeah, because he, uh, he like you could even see just the vague fact that he's got the mace in his hand, mm-hmm. even though he's <laughs> so far away. I, I just think it, it just looks very cool. Uh, and but it, and yet it doesn't look disproportionate, although it probably is. He, <laughs> he is definitely more the badass Hawkman in this. Um, yeah, because first. Right, no, 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 no. I agree because it, and that's one of the things that I want to bring up because it seems like almost like the JSA right now is just wishy washy about what they want to do. Yeah, They're, they they are a little too quick to. Uh, oh, maybe we should just give in and give them. You know, it's almost like like are you not the JSA? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the fact that all of this created doubt and, and made them really think about it as opposed to just outright, you know, immediately rejecting Dynamo's offer. I, I like that aspect of it because I thought the cliffhanger ending to the last issue was, was very clever and it really hooked me into this story to see where it's going to go. But that said, I also thought they are a little quick to just capitulate because I mean, now maybe I'm projecting a little bit of of Earth One's Green Lantern, you know, the, like the Hal Jordan or, or Kyle Rayner Hal uh, Green Lantern, because you know their power ring is often described as the most powerful weapon in the universe. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but this Green Lantern's ring is still an incredible, I mean, potential weapon. So just you know, to immediately be like, well, maybe I should just give it over. Really? You don't know. You don't know shit about this guy or his motives or or anything, and you're really thinking about giving him, you know, Green Lantern's ring and the the gravity rod, and yeah. those are two, you know, potentially, I would think anyway, you know, potentially catastrophic weapons. Um, they should, they should at least the be. Timeline. Even even if they're considering it, there should at least be more of an element of, well, I'll need to know that this guy is going to, you know, channel it for good somehow. Definitely, and, yeah. You know, there, there should be at least that element to it. You know, I'm I'm okay with them being introspective as to whether or not they should be willing to give them up, but there shouldn't be a, okay, well, for the greater good, I'm willing to give it up if that's what everybody thinks I should do. Not, no, it should be. I'm going to need to go aboard this ship. I'm going to need to see this guy. I'm going to need to know what his plans are, what his intentions are, what he's going to do with my daughter, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> what I his mean, career a, goals I'm not sure are. where it would fall in the timeline of all this, but there was an issue of All-Star Squadron where it was shown that GL's willpower through the ring had the potential uh, power of an atomic weapon. So, I mean, that's that's a powerful thing to consider handing over to some guy you haven't even seen face to face yet. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, and and Hawkman is the only one who's well, actually, a little bit of Johnny Thunder, too. You know, good to see Johnny step up once in a while because he's usually an ass. This story went a long way in, in mm. raising Johnny Thunder, in my estimation, I have to say. This is honestly, I think, the first story that really heavily utilized him where I'm honestly like. Okay, maybe I've been too hard on the guy because he he comes through in this story. Yeah, I agree. And, I do uh, wish somebody would refer to Wonder Woman by her actual human name though, so that we know who the hell this is supposed to be. Because I'm thinking it's supposed to be Hippolyta, but nobody has yet referred to her by her name. So yeah, maybe that's why they're not. Maybe no, they maybe, maybe they yeah, don't want to commit to to the fact that it's not Diana because that's who people know better. 
Right. So that's I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case that that they don't want to conflict with continuity, but they also you know want to if if you're ignorant ignorant to that continuity they want to leave you that way. Yeah, that's a good point because this is a mini series, not the series, so they don't want to throw people. Yeah, that that makes sense. I love I wish the pages were numbered, but I love at the bottom of this one page here where you've got you know GL talking about you know. Maybe it would be worth it, you know, because they could potentially get the, you know, defeat Hitler, get the cure to polio, blah, blah, blah. At the bottom of the page, you've got, you've got Dr. Midnight holding these papers. He's yeah, talking yeah, well, about, he says, isn't he blind? He is. He's blind. The papers are blank. <laughs> and then to add, you know, insult to injury, you've got Hawkman just swats them all out of the blank. And they're still blank. They're all blank. Like, what is he reading? Does he have special ink? Okay, I I thought it was just me. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not the deep. I'm I'm not in as deep to the JSA as you are. But I swear to God, I'm like, isn't he blind? What is he looking at? He is. Like, he is. it's. It, I mean, you could just change the. You could just change the captions to have Hawkman say, "What the f- are you looking at?" <laughs> I think the only thing that could make that better is if he was actually holding like there was printing and it was upside, upside down. down. I think that that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's holding blank pages. I, I so far, everything seems perfectly legitimate. You can't see. <laughs> Looks okay His to me. His trick is that he, he can only see in the dark. <laughs> he, he can dark. see like he has perfect vision in the dark. But in the light, he's he's blind. He's a blind yeah, but man. But that's why he's got so. the glasses on, right? So he can see. Right. So yes. Maybe he yeah. See. But still, it's just like. And and Hawkman says something that just grates on me because it's not the correct saying. Beware of right. Trojans bearing gifts. Right. It's, it's, it's beware of Klingons. It's, well, Romulus. <laughs> Romulus. That's the first thing I thought of. But it should be Greeks. Beware of Greeks bearing gifts. Right. Yep. Well, unless, unless it's Greek bearing tro- Trojans. <laughs> but I'm. <above. laughs> I mean, I I get the point, but I was just like, yeah, it's kind of a nitpick. And yeah, then, I, and I'm not sure the papers are actually supposed to be blank, or if that's just the artistic they, version of it. They you just know? they just so happen to all have the backs turned to us when he hit them. No, I I think it's just that maybe you you know we're not supposed to be able to just see the uh, you know it, from our scribbles. vantage we can't see. Yeah, they, they could have put, put some scribbles, scribbles and maps or something on them, but you they could have. That would have been more attention to you. But are we are we going to go through this page by page because we're jumping around already and we should probably do. If we're not, if, if we're going to do sure. page by page, we should. If we're not going to, that's fine. No, go ahead. Okay, so the story opens up with the uh, the view of the uh, observatory and Hawkman approaching, and then he comes in, and there the JSA is meeting and discussing Dynamo's demands and what they should do about it. Uh, but the debate, as we already said, is a little too. You know, not, not, yeah, I mean, even, even you know, what's the same, uh, Mr. Terrific, it's just not fair, you know. It's, it's, the guy, like, we're in fair play. But it, it's, you know, and then, then Green Lantern goes into the, uh, I'm not too keen on giving up my root ring, but am I just being selfish? What if he can single-handedly defeat Hitler, cure polio, feed all the starving people? It's arrogant to think my ring is more important than all that. Yes, that's a true point. But what reason does he have to believe that that's going to actually happen? Don't you? Wouldn't you need some more serious proof of that before you'd be willing to even consider giving up, like you said, such a powerful ring? It's 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 a little crazy. Um, 
you know, that's and then we get to the shot of Dr. Midnight. He's looking at the blank pages and saying, so everything looks everything seems perfectly legitimate to me. Uh, and Hawkman smacks them away. Beware of Trojans bearing gifts. It wasn't just a story, you know. And then we cut to the Blue Bloods who are all enjoying a symphony uh, or at least a portion of a symphony by. Uh, Do you think by they Lord were trying Dynamo. to go for like a cinematic feel with a hard cut to a completely different scene, like no transition, just bam. Now, yeah, maybe. now you're somewhere else. And, you know, it, it's looking at this scene, uh, you know, I think of current day and I think there's more of like a nouveau rich uh, group now, which are not necessarily the blue bloods that you see in that. The people who were born rich and have been rich their whole lives. Uh, I don't think you see that level of sophistication as compared to the common man that you once did or the differential between, you know, the people who are uh, from old money as compared to the, you know, the working stiffs in the world. I don't think that that differential exists the way it once did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I have a tough time kind of really, ex- you don't think that exists though. I'm not saying there isn't okay. a, I'm not saying there isn't a difference between people who have money and people who oh, don't. Okay. Right. I'm saying I, 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 I don't see, I, I don't see the level of sophistication in pe- people, people who I've dealt with who seem to be, you know, have a lot of money, don't seem any more sophisticated than you or I. Whereas one time, I, at one time, I think there was a, a much larger difference. You know, if you get what I'm saying, yeah. I, I don't know if yeah, that makes I sense. Do. And, I, and I agree with you. So you know, if if you look at it from that perspective, I guess you know those people would have more of an education uh, in the you know, for lack of a better term, for the finer things in life, that they would have an appreciation for this symphony and and be able to hear the nuances that we can't. Uh, You know, thus, you know, it's more or less music is music. Either it sounds good or it doesn't. Uh, But I guess, you know, like I said, to a more sophisticated audience, maybe it's a little bit different. Although I I think it's kind of, you know, I can't imagine that the music is so incredible that you, they show them they're all just so happy when it's on and they all look so angry the second it ends i mean what sound could possibly do that to you oh i don't know maybe one that's laced with some type of uh, post-hypnotic suggestion that's not in the story by the way i'm just throwing that out that's there. that's what you're you're surmising or you're uh, you're, well, you know, you're, I mean, it could you're be giving it that canon you know it 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 could be it could be something that you know lull you know, you know, let you you want more of my music. You want more of my music. Something I mean, like that. I, I mean, they're playing it on a, on a you know on a regular record player, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of of the era, and uh, you know, it looks like they have an LP, uh, but it looks also like it only plays. You know, it says uh, this is merely a fragment before it was abruptly silenced. So it's a a very short snippet, I guess. And it looks it almost looks like they're at a country club. These guys. They're all wearing tuxedos. A little, little obnoxious. We have a young Mr. Burns there. Yes, Smithers. Incredible and innovative. Listen to the layering. Because he's got his hands together like Mr. Burns. Exactly. <laughs> so then we cut back to, uh, or we don't cut back to, we cut to Johnny Thunder sitting with, uh, was it Mr. Williamson? If I, yeah. Uh, yep. Yes. Yep. And they're, they're in a uh, what looks to be a diner, and they're sitting and discussing what's going on, and Johnny is just, Johnny's very upset out. about the whole thing, yeah. And, and uh, Williamson says, Johnny, you've got to learn to think about what you want to say. Be articulate. As a writer, that's my particular superpower. 
Here, and let he me takes try off to... his glasses and he's Superman. Oh, sorry. <laughs> let me try to help you put your thoughts into words. Gee, thanks, Mr. Williamson. And then we cut away again. Now, back to one while, like, a little bit here. What was that? That, uh, uh, that was one thing that bugged me a little bit is that uh, in this issue that the words, uh, the term superhero keeps getting bandied about, and that wasn't a thing yet. Um, these are mystery men, not superheroes. That, I'm not sure exactly when that would come along and, and be adopted, but this is much too early for that. Okay, yeah, that's I, I failed to realize that, as did the writer. Right. All right, All right let me do the next, uh, the next segue. Okay. Me- meanwhile, at Ted Knight's Observatory... <laughs> So the, the JSA are meeting again, uh, or I guess continuing their meeting, and uh, they decide to, you know, to basically to look into what's going on. Uh, and that's when they discuss possibly going over to Eastern Europe, but that they can't go in there because Hitler, you know, Hitler controls uh, those areas, and the Spear of Destiny will absorb our powers and subvert them to the Nazi Nazi cause. We dare not travel to that part of the globe. Not so fast, pals. Some of us don't have superpowers, remember? About time we turned that out to be an advantage. And uh, Wildcat says, I'm going with the little guy. We'll find out what the story is with Lord Windbag. Uh, it's hard to tell. Is, is Sandman going with them or not? Uh, no. Well, no. I, well no, his, his, his part of the mission is separate, right? See, I wasn't sure about right. that. We'll, we'll get to that when we get there. What is with the Adam and Wildcat? Are they just like always off to the side trying to like little feats of strength? They're like high fiving when the scene opens up or either that or they're like pushing against each other's hands. I don't know what they're doing. It's like, are they always just goofing off? Was a high high five five even a thing? I was going to say, did the high five exist back then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that I don't know. It's like, what is going on? It's like, it's like, hey, hey, pay attention. What are you clowns doing over there? Oh, Oh, what? What? Stop your ass grabbing. We got things going on. <laughs> so we have a radio broadcast with, uh, who is that, a senator? No, councilman. Uh, government flunky. And his, his comments are, uh, well, Lord Dynamo's terms seem reasonable to me, considering the wonders he offers in exchange. Jerk. <laughs> I, you know, how, how naive can people be? In all seriousness, how many times do these things have to happen before people say, we got to figure out who we can truly trust. So, but while this is going on, this interview is going on in the radio, they're cutting to people, you know, with ailments and in the hospital that, you know, Lord Dynamo could fix them, basically. Well, I mean, you know, and that plays in those people would like to have those things fixed. So those, those are the people who you could understand more, but some of the other people, like those idiots listening to the record, it's like, come on. Well, the politicians just thinking how can exploit it and, you know, Wait, wait, I shouldn't say that. He's probably thinking of the people. Yeah, because politicians always think of the people. Think of the people! Back to Johnny Thunder, who's sucking on a milkshake and writing down his thoughts. Could that be Could that be a uh, an early version of Diet Mountain Dew that he's drinking? Nah, that's probably a malted, malted dew. So as the interview goes on, this guy's just, you know, he's kind of being a jerk. What will it cost us? Two tokens... What is the pride of, and power of a costumed hero really worth compared to all we get in return? Uh, and now, now the interviewer, uh, Clark Gable apparently, uh, well, <laughs> Councilman, that depends on if Lord Dynamo is true to his words. So at least he's, that's the first logic I'm hearing now. Mm-hmm. It's the first, first argument that makes sense. 
How do you know this guy's going to do it? I ask your listeners to consider this. What does Green Lantern, why does Green Lantern deserve his all-powerful ring anyway? Is he more important than the rest of us? Why didn't Starman give us his technology, give his technology to American industry in the first place? Does he want to keep all the profits for himself? And then they cut to Starman and Green Lantern and they're flying above the city and discussing the, uh, just basically the, the thoughts that are going back and forth as to whether or not they uh, should be giving up the rings and or the power. Well, because Green Lantern actually works. At, he's there at the interview at the station. He's mm-hmm. the guy. He's the guy sitting there. The producer. The, yeah, the producer. Whether I like it or not, the man had a right to his opinion and the freedom of speech to say what he likes on the radio. Isn't that what the Justice Society is fighting for? Yes, that's true. That doesn't See, mean I you like have that to. Part. That I, doesn't I really mean like you have to just sit back and accept it either, though. He's, right. he's, you know, they're hitting on all points, and he's right about that. The guy should be allowed to, to give his opinion, but uh, that doesn't mean that the counter opinion shouldn't get its place as well. Yeah, because he says if if I'm the kind of man who would pull the plug on someone just speaking his mind in America, then I should surrender this ring now. Hmm. Never mind. I'm just not going to say anything. No matter what political leaning you have, one way or the other, you should read that sentence in this book. And take it to heart. Anyway, moving on. So then we cut to Williamson, who's finishing his story. And he's very satisfied with what he wrote, and he's walking out. Cut back to, uh, or cut to Eastern Europe, where the Adam and Wildcat parachute in. Uh, now, what happens here? Does, does Wildcat, is Wildcat not, like, not paying attention and walks into a tree branch? Or does, or does Adam throw or that does, at him? Or does Adam throw that, or does he pull it back and thwacks him I, with it? I kind of got the impression that it was Adam in his enthusiasm is kind of charging forward, and uh, and Wildcat's trying to keep up and gets the, the branch in the face, but it doesn't really make it clear in the art or the narrative if that's what happened, and it's it's a, that's a little irritating. But just the fact that Wildcat has... You know, he, he growls or whatever after that happens makes me think that it was that it was Adam. And plus, Adam goes, "Come on, big guy!" Like, you know, like like he's trying to keep him to keep up with him. That that was my that was how I interpreted it. I'm not sure that's exactly right. But. So they make their way to uh, what, what is it, Lord Dynamo's castle or Dooms? Well, it's <laughs> it's it's where they found that the parts were manufactured, I guess, by the the metallurgy, the elements, science. Is how they figured out where they were, because all elements have a footprint. Mm. So in the castle, you know, I'm expecting to, to find uh, Frank Victor von Frankenstein in there. That's Frankenstein. And uh, but it, it is the wall is kind of broken at a good part, and Wildcat says, "Looks to me like some, or it looks like something exploded." And Adam's response is, "No, it looks like something got loose." Yeah. They make their way over to the castle. Now again, though, Adam kicks in the door. These guys don't have superpowers. They've just made a point of saying they don't have superpowers. And I'm going to bring that up in a few... Maybe it's not this book. Well, on the next page, when they start fighting these robots, they're they're handling it as if they're superpowered. Yeah. Well, not just... Well, that's in the next book, because... In the next book, he punches... Wildcat punches through one and makes a comment about it, but that will we'll, we'll, we'll do that. That's that's yeah. That's next. But no, I, I agree with you. This this was confusing because this page really makes it look like they're both super powered because you've got 
uh, Wildcat we, kicking the leg off of a robot. And these then, things are metal. Yeah, and then Adam smashing one, you know, one's, I presume it's his head, into a wall, and it just smashes flat. So it, it's it's making them look like they are super strong, which Adam eventually would gain superpowers, but that's years in this character's future. And Wildcat, uh, he, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think he ever had superpowers. Well, his, his superpowers that he got that nine lives thing. Right. But, but I, he, I mean, never, he, never, super he never got super strength. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, he's of, a yeah. skilled fighter, and, and but he's not – he's he's kind of on the level of Batman, and Batman's not super strong. Right. He's just so unless these, are just, unless these are just really shitty robots, I don't think he should be able to kick the leg off of a robot the way it, it's showing here in that uh, – what is that fourth panel on that page? And he definitely shouldn't be able to do what he does next book. Just as just as a side note, I looked up High Five on Wikipedia. It says there are many origin stories of the High Five, but the two most documented candidates are Dusty Baker and Glenn Burke of the Los Angeles Dodgers professional baseball team on October second, nineteen seventy-seven, wow. or or Wiley Brown and Derek Smith of the Louisville Cardinal men's college basketball team during the nineteen seventy-eight nineteen seventy-nine season. So wow. the High Five did not exist in the. Uh, World War II era. Maybe they're playing patty cake. Yeah, okay. So moving on, they they make their way to the laboratory uh, where uh, it appears that there's some sort of experimentation going on. Uh, We have a head up close that looks like it's right out of the Walking Dead comics. Yep. Uh, Then we we have on all to the far left, it looks like it's the atomic skull. Or one of the, the Martians from Mars Attacks. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> then, then Wildcat goes to a jar full of eyes. Uh, I wouldn't say this is. I mean, I mean, uh, it's it's mad scientist territory. Well, I guess, but it doesn't mean this was Lord Dynamo that did this. No, it just means that somebody was messing around. But but they're just saying, oh, I I've seen enough. Let's go back back to uh, back to the pickup point, you know? Because oh yeah, this this shows that you know the this guy's up, up no good. Not necessarily. I mean they're. You know, they're tortured Nazis. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Oh, this does answer this. So Sandman to Sandman says, uh, Sandman to JSA HQ, come in. He's tracking meteorology reports. So, no, he is not in Europe. He is back. It's got to be hard to drive a car with that mask on. No, he's not getting any wind <laughs> or bugs in the face or anything. God, I mean, it's such a anything with that mask. It's such a cool looking mask. I I, I love the the character design, but it's got to be hard to 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 have any peripheral vision whatsoever. <laughs> well, you know, plus he's he's talking to JSA headquarters while he's got it on. Yeah, exactly. You would think. Uh, he's got a he's got a microphone on the inside. Well, that whole front is nothing but a giant microphone. I scene. guess. I still think he looks more like Ant Eater Man than he does Sandman with that goofy gas mask thing on. Oh, I think it's so cool looking though. <laughs> so he so he thinks he's figured out where uh, Dynamo is by the phony cloud cover he's creating. When kabwam, an English guy falls out of the sky. Actually, he's scratched on. <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. And he lost an arm too. Scratch. Oh, maybe they do have cheap robot arms. I mean, he hit the car. Didn't damage the car. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's. This this uh, cyborg guy is actually you know pra- he's he's on his deathbed, but uh, he he must live. He needs to explain. So Sandman sprays him in the face with some sort of uh, 
some sort of gas that's going to ease his pain and, and increase his strength temporarily. And the cyborg relates that he is Clive Burry, a corporal from the Royal Army, who was serving his country for Great Britain when uh, they were involved in uh, an attack by... Uh, actually, who was the attack by? The attack was not by... No, they the, were just uh, fighting. Dirigible. They were fighting and, and badly just, damaged, and then the dirigible well, the came dirigible in. The dirigible shows up after. after yeah. yeah. And they, so, they take them up and, and kind of repair them as cyborgs to serve Lord Dynamo. Right. Uh, I have to say, Paul, this is the most spot-on English accent I've ever heard you do. <laughs> Governor? <laughs> there we go. That just wraps it all together. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, you know... I, I've, I've been told that I rival Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. <laughs> anyway, uh, he, he relates his story about, uh, you know, Lord Dynamo uh, re- basically reanimating them uh, until it gets to the point where he says, Today, though, I argued with him once too often and I was tossed overboard like so much garbage. So at that point, uh, Sandman sprays him in the face again to put him to sleep. And I assume... <laughs> Now, wait a minute. Does he put him to sleep or does he euthanize him? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I think he's putting too. him to I think he's putting him to sleep so that he can. It's it's almost like a hospice to take him out of his pain so that he can just slowly slip away. That's the way I'm viewing that. That's still creepy, man. Yeah, it is. But it's it's you know, it, it, it's I think it's meant that he's being merciful. Uh, we go back to Mr. Williamson, who goes to the. Uh, Offices of Amazing Stories, where they say, oh, yeah, we've already printed the cover. And it appears that the story that Mr. Williamson wrote is being credited to Johnny Thunder, which does not really sit very well with him. Uh, and he says, you know, you know you've, you've, done, you've worked under pseudonyms before, but Williamson is not happy and leaves to change where his stories get printed. Yeah, this makes Gernsback look like a real jerk. I wonder if the guy was really like this in real life. I could not say. <laughs> but then uh, we cut to City Center Decision Day, and uh, Green Lantern and Starman have agreed that they are going to abide by whatever the crowd thinks they should do. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? And Johnny Thunder gets up onto the stage to make an impassioned speech as to why the crowd should not agree to this, and that... Uh, you know that they are that Green Lantern and Starman are heroes, and that they've saved the city so many times, saved children, loved ones. How many times have they protected all of you guys from bad guys and supervillains? Sheesh! Green Lantern and Starman are heroes. By golly, they don't save lives for payment, and they don't <laughs> deliver ultimatums. If Lord Dynamo's help comes with a price tag, then he's sure no hero in my book. Shame on you for even considering his terms. And the JSA is all very, very happy with that speech. Uh, even even Adam and uh, Wildcat are back in time for it. Oh, they were brought in by the Hawks. Although uh, Wonder Woman's speech. not looking very happy in that bottom panel. Maybe she she's kinda, a little gassy. I, like, uh, uh, I would have loved to see J- Johnny give uh, the, you know, when he first jumps up on the stage, I would like to have done the, uh, the speech of the Kurgan from Highlander. I've got something to say. It's better to burn out and to fade away. <laughs> I, w- I would have liked him, him to say, I for one welcome our new Lord Dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamo. Commander. Somebody, Overlord. Somebody heckle in the audience. You suck. <laughs> You're the worst hero. Get off the Lightning stage. 
So the the audience uh, is now left with uh, with the decision. Oh wait, but no, the no, JSA just... is very clearly thinking that. Uh, oh yeah. That they're gonna side with not giving up the uh, power sources. Cut back to Jack Williamson, who is leaving. He writes a letter to Johnny. Um, I'm very sorry to be. Was it leaving you? Taking the. Or, I'm sorry. Very sorry to be leaving you like this. You have real strength, enthusiasm, and a powerful imagination. I know you were counting on me, but I just can't stick around. Don't blame yourself. Maybe neither one of us will make a living as a successful writer. The pulp magazines are dying. No question of it. I'll have to find another way to tell my stories. I'm going back to New Mexico, where I grew up, where I feel more at home. Best of luck to whatever you do. Your friend, Jack. And he mails it off. And then heads off in his car to uh, go to New Mexico. And he's listening on the radio to the whole situation that's coming to pass with Johnny addressing the crowd. Now, through these whole two pages, because of what we just did a a podcast on, all I could hear was the Beatles, She's Leaving Home. (laughs) (laughs) Wednesday morning, Jack Williamson's in his boarding room. Writing a letter to Johnny today. <laughs> He's going to New Mexico. Oh, sorry, I can't. I can't hit those notes. Too high. So, as as the crowd is, I guess the crowd has returned their decision to not uh, surrender the power sources because Johnny is addressing the crowd. And he says, "I don't know what to say, but thanks for, huh?" And there's a crackoom, and Lord Dynamo says, "I have been reasonable." I and just you wonders. Oh no, but 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 um um. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm drawing such. Sam Beckett leaped into Johnny Thunder. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But uh, I've offered you wonders, but you fools have made your decision, the wrong decision. And Adam says, "All right, batter up." And Doctor Fate responds, "Yes, I do believe so." Then we cut back I to love, Jack Williamson. Love that part of the story. That, I love that panel. That was my favorite part of this book so far. That they're they're ready to to to, to set themselves up for war now. Yep. So uh, then Jack Williamson is getting some gas and he's listening still on the radio. Lord Dynamo Zeppelin is now rising up. It looks very ominous. He is speaking again. Let's listen. But though you reject my great gifts, I must take what I need to survive. And then Jack Williamson turns into <laughs> Beckett Sam and Beckett. says, Who oh boy, Sam Beckett. Uh, Lord Dynamo finishes up on the last page. We have a, a full pa- full page splash with the dirigible up ahead and some uh, citizens down below. And it says, therefore, I will exact my price in another way. And there's electric... Uh, Energy coming out, and it says continued, and that's the end of this issue. Dun, dun, dun. So this one starts to tie together. One of the things I like about it is, uh, you know, one of the criticisms I had of the first two issues is it felt like you had two independent stories going on with Johnny Thunder and Jack Williamson, and then the whole Lord Dynamo thing. So now we're finally starting to merge them a little bit into one in the you know third issue. We're at the halfway mark of this. Uh, miniseries and we're just getting to that point but now three issues in it's a very compelling read as far as i'm concerned and you know we're pulling back the curtain we're planning to record two episodes tonight so i've already read issue four uh and i was very anxious to do that <coughs> so this 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 issue really you know got it going as far as i'm concerned i i 
I feel like the story has ramped up now and it's it, we you know we now have the stakes kind of in place we have the battle lines being drawn and i'm ready for three issues of furthering that story and furthering that uh that conflict you guys have no comments at all no 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 i agree yeah i'm i'm with you <laughs> you're just a goofy gover yes 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 we agree with your points Oh, no, 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 you you go first. So, I mean, there are a couple of inconsistencies in here that we've pointed out. And, and I think that's one of the natures of what we do is, you know, by breaking things down on a page-by-page basis, we are going to point out when there's a weakness or when there's a mistake that we see. And that is not always reflective of our overall take on the book. And I think sometimes it gets misconstrued to almost seem that that is. Right. But, you know, I, I really really enjoyed this story despite the criticisms we've leveled towards it uh i i just you know like i said i'm I'm just anxious to keep moving on with it now yeah me too yeah no i i really liked this particular issue um I, i'm glad that it lived up to my expectations because after that ending of the last issue i i really thought it had potential to go into some interesting places and it and it did i like this whole exploration of you know, now w- one of the things I did expect to happen though is that I thought they'd flat out refuse immediately, refuse to give up. You know the the things that Dynamo had demanded of them, and that the public would turn on them, and that didn't really happen. We I mean, we kind of saw it a little bit. You know, with the what was the guy, the councilman or whatever he was, was talking on the radio, and we saw it a little bit with the what'd you call them, the Blue Bloods. But we didn't see like the the public outright turn on them or or try to forcibly take the items from them to give to Dynamo or anything. And that's kind of where I expected this was going to go. Like maybe Dynamo was trying to turn the public against the JSA. Um, Yeah, almost one of those cliche stories where Dynamo becomes the new hero of the people. Right. Yeah. You know, where he's secretly the villain. That's what I thought was going to happen. And I'm really glad it played out this way because, you know, you, you hear a lot these days about, you know, subverting expectations and such. Um, and it did. It totally subverted my expectations because I thought I knew where it was going. Um, and I think if it had gone the way I thought it was going, then it'd probably be, in the end, kind of unsatisfying because it'd be kind of your typical comics type story. Whereas this did some some interesting things. This went in different directions. And, uh, yeah, so far I think it's really cool. But I I love uh, the thing that really won me over with this issue is that that panel toward the end of it where the JSA realizes, OK, it's game time. And uh, I just I love that because you can see the resolve on everybody's face like, OK, this is it. You know, time to punch some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, and and like I said, it, it got me in a position where I'm saying, OK, bring on the next issue. Yep. Which which I didn't really have that at the end of issue two. I, I was, you know, I was, I wasn't ready to, to stop reading it, but I wasn't feeling, you know, amped up to read it either. Right. So now, now I'm amped up. Now it was like, I'm, I'm glad we're, that I'm going to get to read issue four right away. I don't want to wait a week to do it. <laughs> but, now, what know, did you guys think of the art with this one? I'm back to kind of feeling it's a little inconsistent, similar to the last one. I think there's some panels that look really good. And I think there's some panels that look just a little too overly simplistic for me. Right. Uh, the expressions on some faces don't look quite right every once in a while. But on yeah. a whole, if I'm going to rate the entire book, I still give it an above average. Yeah. It's, 
it's not uh I don't I mean it wasn't as uh like it seemed there was a lot more wonkiness last issue than than this time. It was a little bit smoother for me. Right. I think Probably we're on you. the same page. I, I think we're on the same page because I really like Barry Kitson. Um, it says that he just did the the breakdowns in this. I'm not as familiar with Gary Erskine. I think I don't know. I'm trying to remember where I've seen him before, and I'm probably wrong. I was thinking that he used to work a lot with uh, with Gary Frank, but I'm not sure if I'm if I'm right about that. Mm. So I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be harsh to the guy and say, oh, he's to blame for the faults with this. But I, I kind of wonder if that's what's going on, if maybe it's the, the inker. It, it depends on how, you know, how tight or how loose the breakdowns were, I guess, because I see I do see the kits in, in a lot of this art, but uh, I totally agree with you that it's very inconsistent. And that's not Kitson, so far as I'm aware. You know, uh, uh, I don't think of him as being inconsistent. He, he typically, you know, his stuff's pretty tight. So I'm not sure, you know, exactly what's going on with uh, with the art in this. But yeah, I noticed it most with faces, where a lot of the faces are inconsistent or a little weird. You know, a little like doughy or something. Um, best example is in the diner scene with Johnny and uh, and Williamson. Those middle panels of Johnny look weird. He almost looks like like his face is extending out of his skull or something. It's really kind of bizarre. It looks like his face is like emerging from. You know what I mean? It's just it's just if if you're looking at those panels, it just looks really weird. It's it's the way it's. Well, they're trying to put a shadow on him, and I yeah. Think, uh, the yeah. shadow, it, I, the shadow almost looks like it adds a couple inches to his face. I, I think right, I see what yeah. you're saying there. Yeah, like, it does. Like if that shadow wasn't there, his head would look normal. I don't know. It's it, does it still look maybe a little elongated though, or is it just well, me? yeah, like poking out too far, not, yeah. not stretched up, but stretched forward. Stretched forward. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like what I'm saying is, if you erased all that black in there that creates that shadow, his head would look normal size. You think so? I, I know. I'm, th- I, I'm thinking it's slightly off. Okay. Well, look at the size of his hands compared to his head. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not talking about the size of his head okay. so much as the shape of it. The the distance between like the edge of his eyebrow uh, and how far you have to go from there before get you get reach, before you reach his ear or even you know uh, his his. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you remove it's all just, that, it's too long. If you remove that those shadows, right? It's it just was- way too long. Right. It's, it's it's like it's like he's hammerhead. Well, wait, I, I mean that's what I'm saying. If if you remove the shadows and shrunk it, then it would look like a normal head. Your freaking he's got a shrunken head. head. No, not sure. Sh- it would look normal size because <laughs> it looks too big. He's got a big head. <laughs> yep. He said shrunken heads. And I was thinking of that old ad with uh, with Vincent Price and the little the little creepy apple shrunken head things. I was thinking of the guy in Beetlejuice. <laughs> hey, come on! You messed up my hair. <laughs> I think it's a new look for me. <laughs> that's a new look for Johnny, that's for sure. I'm hammerhead, see? Yeah, yeah. I did. So I, 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 I did like this issue, though. I really did. It was fun. Yeah, as did I. I like I said, it, it 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 renewed my enthusiasm for this series. Now, let me ask you something. They're aware that the creepy Nazi robot zombie things that they've been fighting are dynamos. They knew that right since the beginning, didn't they? I thought so. Yeah. I think so. Which which should make them, right from the start, say, why would we give this guy our powerful yeah. objects? 
He's already that's, proven that's, to us that he's a villain. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is that well, not you necessarily know, that he was just trying to tap into the to the uh, thing? Go ahead, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and justify this. Figure <laughs> out a way. Go ahead. He was only. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs. A few, a few guys on the roof got in the way of the the you know, the the crewman simply got in the way. Is there any other sci-fi genre show metaphors I can use to explain this away? No. Let me, let me see. I'm flipping back to the to the first issue here. Don't don't they? M five was simply protecting itself. Don't the don't they in this issue? Examine the remains of one of those robot cyborg things, and that's how they find the uh, castle. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's some internal logic in the story that is not. Cons- it just doesn't make sense for me. All right, so so go into that because you you hinted at that before. Well, so just what, what, well, just one one of the things that, that you know Paul actually brought brought it back to my memory that it's like, did you forget that you fought these guys not two issues ago? And and. Does you know why why can they beat up on why can Adam and Wildcat especially next issue how can they beat up on robots so easily and and it's just like hmm, I don't understand nor will you ever <laughs> the brain hurt thinking my head hurts <laughs> okay so at the end of the first issue because I just flipped back to look at it they know that. Dynamo's a bad guy because he zaps them. He's the one that remember he zapped Green Lantern really badly with that ray. Yeah, and he drains his power. But also, he, they know that those cyborg robot zombie Nazi guys came from the dirigible. They know all that at the end of the first issue. So yeah, that that does make it a little bit weird that in this one they're just thinking, well, you know, maybe maybe he'd be good for humanity. Well, really. He's using freaking zombie men. So yeah, that does seem a little strange. Yeah, that's and 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 yeah, honestly, I didn't even make that connection until you pointed out, which is bad on me. I should have. I should. I mean, that that should be bad. That's bad gl- that's good. Well, when you point it out, it's glaring. And the newspaper. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be able to explain it away either. Yeah, I almost wish I hadn't realized that because, I, like I say, I really am digging the story and I really liked this issue. But one, once I realized that, I'm like, wait a minute, don't they already know that? And and going back and verifying, yes, they know this. They've confirmed it. They can. They knew it at the end of the first issue, and then they confirmed it in the second issue because they did an autopsy on one of those things. So they know that at the very least that he's reanimating Nazis to use as his. So what it should have been, what the story should have had was them immediately opposed to this, to these, you know, this ultimatum that was presented, but have the public at large who is not aware of this kind of, you know, do what you you anticipated that they were going to do. What would have been the cliche, but but the cliche makes more sense here than what we got. Yeah, it, it kind of does. I hate to say it, but yeah, you're you're right. And I think they could have done it in a way that it, it wouldn't just play out like a cliche. I I think because I think they still could have gone in more or less the same direction with this story. But I, now I almost feel like that's the way it really should have gone. Um, with with having the JSA just flat out like no, this you know, and and I think rather than them have all the debate and because the debate was interesting, you know, and the, and this, you know, the self-reflection and all that was interesting. 
But knowing what they know, it seems like it should have been a hard no right out of the gate. Like, well, no, this guy's bad. And we know this because of X, Y, Z. And then they have to try to prove it or justify it or whatever at the same time that the public's going, well, yeah, but polio cure and, you know, all this other stuff. So I don't know. But maybe some of that will get addressed in other issues. I, I, I'm not sure. Well, no, because now, now he is revealed, because now he's turned on the public. So. Well, no, no, he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, at the at the end of this issue, he's starting to he's, zap. He's just dropping some lightning. We don't know what's going oh, okay. on yet. <laughs> right. Just some lightning coming down. Okay. You know, nothing much going on to see nothing. here. Just a little lightning. <laughs> Remember, it's not the vaults; it's the amps. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I'm disappointed that <laughs> that we've come to realize that now. <laughs> Sorry. Bad Scott. I'm good to see you here. Move along. <laughs> all right. So all that said, are we ready to rate this one? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you, despite what I pointed out as a weakness in the cover, or what I say is a weakness in the cover, the fact that you know the atom is kind of hidden, I really, really like this. I think it's beautifully rendered. Uh, I think it, it's very compelling. It's something that I would pick up off the stands in a, in a in a heartbeat. Uh, I think it's an A cover. No question in my mind. The internal art is solid, but inconsistent. And the inconsistency is mostly in the faces uh, and occasionally in the shape of the heads. Uh, but overall, it's it's pretty well done for the most part. Storytelling, I think, is pretty good, although there's moments like with the twig going at, at a wildcat where it's like, exactly how did that occur? Um, I'm going to say a B minus on the artwork. I think it's just from a looking at it, looking pretty point of view, it's probably a B, but then there's certain little quirks in it that bring it down to a B minus. And story wise, I'm now torn because I really, really enjoyed this story. But now that we've pointed out that one glaring plot hole to it, it really bothers me. And based on that, I'm going to drop it from an A- minus to a just regular B. And I'm going to give the book overall a B. I think think we are... I think I'm in the same position as you with with the cover being an A and and with the the holes in the story and the... Well, not holes. Like just... Well, okay. Uh, Like a B for the story. Because it's still doing pretty good and and things are coming together um, finally. And they'll really come together next issue. Um, and then um, uh, the art, eh, yeah, there's a couple spots. It's a little off. So like a B minus on that. So yeah, I'm 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 in the same camp as you, ABB. So like a B plus for the book. I got to be honest, I do not like the cover. What? Really? No, I'm I, surprised. I really don't. I I really over time. Um, maybe it's just been a little bit too much Alex Ross or something, but over time, this ultra realistic painted depiction of superheroes, um, has, has really failed to work for me. Cause I don't know, it, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I've said this a million times, when you, when you drag the fantastic too far into the light, then you uh, accentuate the absurd and then it just looks silly. And this looks like two grown men just dressed up in like homemade costumes. They they look kind of silly, whereas you know they're it's not supposed to be silly. And in the you know in the comic book page, their their outfits are you know form fitting and skin tight, and they don't have 
you know, the wrinkles and the seams and all that. And it just, I don't know, it just looks really weird to me. Plus, those zombie creature things are really disturbing. They remind me of that, that movie Nine with the weird, like, sock, sock puppet people or whatever, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. It's just really a disturbing cover. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy about this one. Um, I think I'd honestly go like a, I don't know. I hate to say it. I think I'd go like a C minus, maybe even lower on the cover. I, I just hmm. really don't like it. It works as like a pulp cover. It, it is very pulpy and I know that's what they're going for. But if I saw this on the stands, I honestly, I think I'd just keep breezing right past it. It, it just, it doesn't sell it for me. Um, interior art is kind of all over the place. There's there's panels uh, I really, really like. I think Hawkman looks great in the beginning. I love that opening splash. There, there's a lot of panels I really like, and then there's other ones. That whole diner sequence just looks bizarre to me. Um, but, you know, overall, I'd probably go... Uh, I think I'd go a little lower. I'd say, I'd say probably a B- because I do think the art slipped a bit from the first couple of issues. I don't know if it's a rushing thing. I, I'm not sure what's going on, but it's... It has slipped a bit, and it's far more inconsistent now, so the inconsistencies seem to be showing up a little bit more. Um, but then again, you know, that, that panel where, you know, you see the team kind of galvanize, like, okay, we're going into action. I, I love that. I mean, that's just about perfect, except maybe GL's arms look a little funny. They look a little short or something, but I think it's just the perspective. Um, and then story-wise, you know, I, I'm going to ignore what I said, you know, I mean, I, I know I pointed out something that could potentially be a, a, a catastrophic, you know, hole in the plot. But, you know, that said, if you just kind of roll with the story, it is interesting. And, and I like the things that it did and, and it did engage me. So honestly, story wise, I think I'd give it a B plus. It's, it's not an A. I mean, it has, it has problems. It definitely has some continuity issues, but you know, just overall is, you know, as an enjoyable story that's trying to do something a little bit original and new, I, you know, in that aspect, it works for me. So I did enjoy it. So, uh, like I said, I think I'd go a B plus, uh, with the story. And overall, uh, what's that average out to? Uh, I guess a B. F. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm digging it. I, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's, uh, going in interesting places. I almost wonder though, now I know that this is only, what is this, a six issue mini? Yes, and they got to keep it moving along. But I almost wish that maybe the whole thing with the public turning it, it maybe lasted, a, you know, a little longer. Maybe another issue. Um, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, it it, it kind of rushed through all of that. But. Well, I wish it took more than just an impassioned speech from Johnny Thunder. Although that's the whole idea, right. I guess, is to show how he's looking at this so much more intelligently than what he's done in the past. Right. But I, I wish it took more than just one speech to, you know, everybody say, you know what, he's right, you know, <laughs> right. that kind of thing. Uh, but, but I, 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 you know, I, I almost feel like my grades don't reflect how much I enjoyed the story because I did enjoy it. Right. I just feel like, you know, when when you start turning a critical eye on it, then you start seeing some things, and those things have to be accounted for. So, you know. Definitely. But it, it might be that the uh, it might be that the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Right. Although you and I, you know, we we clearly have a significant disagreement on the value of the cover on this one because I really like the cover and you were kind of turned off by it. So to each their own. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for issue three of JSA Strange Adventures. Join us next time when maybe we'll do issue four or maybe we'll do something else. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> See you all next time. Bye. No goodbye from Scott. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. But, um... <laughs> Uh, ba 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 ba. What was I saying? <laughs>